Well, hi, my name is Phil Strong, and I just want to welcome you to this message in our series called Embracing Holiness. This is the finale. This is the final message in our series. We've been on a journey for several months now, and I have really enjoyed uh, this series as I have dug into the scriptures and really seen an aspect of God's call to discipleship, call to holiness, call to deeper intimacy with Him. I've learned a lot as we've journeyed through this, and and I hope some of what we've been sharing together uh, has really helped you to dig into the scriptures and discover some of those things that God's got for you. One of the key takeaways for me, I mean, I'm not going to summarize the whole series, but one of the key takeaways for me was uh, one, one day in a prayer meeting, we were speaking about how the Lord was walking in the cool of the afternoon uh, in the Garden of Eden, and he called out, Adam, where are you? And, and one of the things that I learned from studying that passage was that God comes and brings his judgment into our world. But God does not come to judge and condemn. God comes in judgment to measure, to weigh, to call into a higher place of connection with Him. Why? Because God created us for fellowship with Him, for relationship with Him. He loves to be with His sons and daughters. And so when we say God is coming in judgment, uh, if, you're a, if you're a believer, son and daughter of God, grafted in through faith in Jesus Christ, you have nothing to worry about. Because God's judgment for you does not lead to condemnation. There is no condemnation found in Christ Jesus. And this was just an epiphany for me because it means that we can actually pray and welcome God's judgment in our lives. God, come and search my heart. God, come and cleanse me. God, come and measure and weigh me. See anything that's hidden in me and bring it into your light in order that I can be cleansed and made new and made whole and restored into the fullness that Jesus has prepared for us. That was one of the big takeaways for me out of the series. And, and look, if you haven't been catching all the messages, then they're on our YouTube channel. You can look at the description down below and head across to the channel. You can find the series called Embracing Holiness, and you can choose which message you want to look at. Today, friends, uh, we're in the finale. And this finale, the title of this message is Look Beyond the Process. Look beyond the process. And what I would say to you as you look beyond the process is I want you to see the promise. I want you to see the promise. We're going to look at uh, one main character today. And it's a, it's a story that it's, it's not the best part of his life, to be fair. Uh, but what comes out of it, the fruit that comes out of that process that he went through, the season of life that wasn't so good, the fruit that came out of it was the promises of God. And uh, so we can see that in hindsight, and hopefully we can learn from that. Why am I sharing this with you? Well, I just really feel that for me and for you, that there are some things that God wants to bring his judgment in. I feel like God wants to walk into your garden, walks to walk into your home and say, Adam, where are you? Friend, son, daughter, where are you? And he would come in judgment not to condemn you, but to bring into the light those things that he would like to uh, bring his cleansing and, uh, and his grace to. Uh, so look, you choose how you go, but I would say look beyond the process and look to the promise. The character in the Bible that we're going to look at today is David, King David. So David was a young boy, a shepherd. He was anointed by Samuel the prophet to be king, uh, and it took some time. Uh, but then he finally got uh, established as the king 
over uh, Judah and then over all of Israel. And he was reigning in Zion. That's right. That was his stronghold, his palace. King David's palace was in Zion. And there he dwelt with the Lord in the holy place. But what I want us to look at is Psalm 51. And Psalm 51 is really uh, a a bit of an honest uh, look into David's life and his heart uh, as he was confessing before God his sinfulness and his desire to be restored by God. So we're going to take some time now. We're going to read Psalm 51. Why don't you have a look at the screen and follow along with me? Have mercy upon me, O God. According to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part you will make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness, that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me by your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners shall be converted to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, the God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness." O Lord, open my lips and my mouth shall show forth your praise. For you do not desire sacrifice or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. As we come to the Holy Scriptures today, let's take a moment to pray and ask God to speak to us. Almighty God, we thank you for your word, which is a gift. It is a light to our path, a lamp to our feet. It is a a standard by which we can measure our lives against. And today we do open our hearts to you. Lord, we open our hearts and our minds to you, that you would come by your Holy Spirit and transform us, that you would change us, that you would work deep in us and lead us into the joy of the salvation that you have prepared for us. And we ask these things in the precious name of Jesus, who is our Lord and our Savior. Amen. Well, before we get too far into this, let's have a think about the context for why David is writing this psalm. What's going on? Why is he opening up like this? Why is he just pouring his heart out before God and confessing before the nation? Well, you may know the story well, but let's just recap it. I'll paraphrase it and we'll, we'll skip our way through it because it might be, might be interesting and you might hear something new, or those of you that don't know the story, uh, you'll find it interesting to know that the Bible is full of broken, sinful people. Uh, In fact, God makes a point of using people in his narrative, the story of uh, redemption, of people who are not perfect. 
And David is a classic example of this. David has been um, prophesied over as a young boy that he would be the future king of all God's people and uh, goes through a crazy season serving Saul and getting uh, attempted murder uh, and hiding in caves. And, and really God uh, just works on his heart over that season. David is then established as the king of Judah. And then he moves into Jerusalem and becomes the king eventually over all of Israel. And it says, you can read the story, it's in 2 Samuel chapters 11 and 12. And it says right at the beginning there that in the days when the kings are supposed to go to war, David was at home and he goes out on his roof and he looks across the city and on another rooftop, because that's where they had their gardens, right? That's where they had their outdoor living space on the roof. And, 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 and David looks across and on another roof, there's a lady, a beautiful woman bathing. And he's like, well, that's a bit of eye candy. And he is attracted to her. And as the king, he can ask for what he wants. And he calls and summons this woman to him and he lies with her. He has an affair with another man's wife. She becomes pregnant by David. And her husband is, is, is in the army, off at war, fighting for David. And so David tries to trick this man, Uriah. He brings him home and he says, go and have a drink and lie with your wife, hoping to cover up his sin. And he can't. And it doesn't happen. This man has got too much integrity. And so eventually David uh, sends a text message and he says, hey, uh, I want you to put Uriah right at the front where it's fierce. The fighting is fierce. And at that moment, I want you to withdraw behind him and he will be killed and send me good news. And Uriah the Hittite is killed in battle and he's honored as a man of war. Uh, and then David takes his wife, who is pregnant, he takes Bathsheba for himself. Now, this is a grievous sin before God. And, uh, and God speaks to David through Nathan the prophet. And, and it's a cool story. You should read it. Nathan tells a parable and David gets really angry about this, this person that's been offended and, and stolen from. And, and Nathan says, God would say, it is you, David. You are the sinful man. You have stolen another man's wife and you are in sin. The child that your wife Bathsheba now carries will die and it happens that the child gets really sick and uh, David prays and he fasts for seven days and the child dies. And David says, this is my sin, my sin. And he owns it. He owns his sin. And it's this attitude of David that we believe, uh, what I understand, is, is, it what, is what leads us to the writing of Psalm 51. And as we look in the text, uh, we, 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 can, we can say this confidently because the heading actually says, A Psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone in to Bathsheba. So David grieves over his sin. His heart is torn open before God and he writes this psalm. And it's the psalm that I want us to look at today very briefly. Psalm 51 is a psalm of David's confession. And the first six verses, Psalm 51, verse 1 to 6, is David's confession before God. And Psalm 51, the second part, is about David's cleansing work that is done by God. So verses 7 to 11, David's cleansing by the work of God. 
And then the third part of that chapter, Psalm 51 from verses 12 to 17, is about the consecration of David uh, by God again. Now, this is why this is important to us, because in our series, Embracing Holiness, we have been coming back time and time again to the work of God, the work that Jesus has done for us on this side of the cross, for us to be able to embrace holiness, to be uh, submitting ourselves to the consecration, the work of God in our lives, that God would would be uh, purifying us and setting us apart as holy for His purposes. Consecration is to be set apart by God for God. And uh, look, I don't want to get into it now because there's a lot of other uh, things to say, but essentially we are set apart as ministers under the new covenant to minister to God before the people and to minister to the people before God. Every single one of us is commissioned in that way. And so we must go through a place of confession. We must go through a place of cleansing. And we must go through a place of consecration. And that, my friends, is what I want to speak to you about today. One of the things that becomes very obvious when we look at the story of David is uh, it's one thing to confess our sin. It's one thing to be cleansed of our sin. It's one thing to be consecrated by God. And these are the things we'll look at today. But I just wanted to point out that in my experience, uh, it's also uh, really important that we understand we don't escape the consequence of our sin. Yes, we are forgiven. Yes, we are cleansed, but there are consequences. And there are consequences to our sin. And by sin, I just want to uh, perhaps mention this because you might be sitting there thinking, hey, it's cool. I didn't lie with another man's wife. Uh, it's OK. I didn't uh, rip off the government. Uh, it's, okay, it's OK. I didn't I didn't cheat on my school uh, exams or uh, anything like that. I'm not uh, carrying around a false vaccine passport in my wallet. I'm okay, I'm okay, I haven't sinned in a grievous way. Well, I just want to remind us all, myself included, that the definition of sin is simply to miss the mark. So think of a target on a on a bow and arrow, what do you call it, archery course, and you, uh, we did archery once and, and, and I just completely missed the target. I missed the mark. So it wasn't that I was a bad person that needed to go to prison, but in my task, I missed the mark. And I want you to think about this because sin is missing the mark God has set for us. God has truly led us to a place where we've got great promises in front of us. But he has a desire that we would walk in connection and fellowship and relationship with him. And that requires that we hit the mark. Romans chapter 3 and verse 23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. What does that mean? That we are, as David writes in Psalm 51, we're born into sin because nature, the nature of man is sinful because of the fall. It means we can't escape it except for Jesus. So we shouldn't be sitting there in our self-righteous, pious attitude saying, It's okay, I'm fine, I didn't do a bad sin. Well, God is saying, come higher, come closer, put away those standards that hold you back and embrace my standards, embrace my holiness, allow my cleansing work in your life. And I wanted just to mention that because some of us might be thinking it doesn't apply to us. Or some of us might be thinking we can sin and get away with it and there's no consequence. And I just want to straighten that out right before we start. Let us not miss the mark. But if we do miss the mark, let us understand God forgives us and can lead us into a new place. 
we will still have to deal with the consequences, however. And uh, I think it's just really important that we, we hold on to that. As we look at Psalm 51, I want us to look at three different things. And you'll remember the title of the message is Look Beyond the Process. And the reason I've titled the message this is because sometimes we think about embracing holiness and we think, oh, that's going to be hard work. And we avoid it because we don't like challenge. We don't like change. We wouldn't want to be putting ourselves in a, in a place where we might be uh, uh, challenged by God and his judgment. But remember, God's judgment doesn't mean condemnation. It leads us into freedom. So what I am saying to you is look beyond the process. But the first thing I'd like to say is don't deny the process. Look beyond the process, but don't deny the process. If we have a look at David's psalm, we can see that he's got some confession and confession equals repentance. So one of the things that we see here is he's saying, God, I've come to you and I've sinned. I need you to cleanse me. And we'll see this as we as we look at it. But the next thing we need to understand is that confession equals repentance and repentance is literally defined as turning away. So the moment we acknowledge our sinful nature and the fact that we've missed God's mark, God says, well, I see that and I hear that. And as I respond and turn away from my sin, God embraces the healing process with us. I also want you to see that that uh, repentance will lead to renewal. So let us not deny the process. Confession leads to repentance. Repentance leads to renewal. And I want to point you to Psalm 51, verse 7 to 9. David writes this, Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness, that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out my iniquities. That phrase, blot out my iniquities, is something that is probably not that commonly understood by us because we can just, with a swipe of a a finger on our phone, we can delete anything and everything. We can try and hide our sin by deleting photos or perhaps uh, taking back messages that that we have prepared. But in David's day, think about it this way, they used to write on parchment. And parchment was made out of uh, flax and, and, and natural products. And they would make an ink like a dye and they would scribe the dye onto the parchment, which was a, like a fabric. And the ink would, would go in and stain. It would bite into the natural fibers of the flax and the parchment. And it would become one. The ink would become one with the parchment. And, the, and, the, and this is what David is thinking when he's, he's the two are inseparable and he's, he's aware that his sin is grievous. He's aware that he's, he's sinned before God and he's, he's cheated so many people and he's, he's supposed to be the king of Israel. And, and, and he thinks my sin can't be separated from my soul. But he says, God, would you blot out my iniquities? And, and he knows that only God can separate those things um, uh, to make him whiter than snow. Of course, the, the whiter than snow reference is about purity. Nothing uh, um, is, is purer than white snow. And, and so this is a poetic reference to God. Would you separate my sin from my soul and would you make me white as if I'd never sinned? So confession will lead us to repentance. Repentance will lead us to renewal. And renewal is the work of God. 
as I was preparing my thoughts on this, um, I was reminded of the story in John chapter 21. Uh, Jesus has been crucified and uh, gone into the grave and his disciples are just in anguish and sorrow and they're confused. And, and, and in John 21, we see that they go fishing. Peter, we know, was a fisherman. Peter, we also know, was the one who denied Christ. Three times Peter denied Christ and he must have felt just horrible. His sin gripping him because he'd missed the mark. So he goes fishing. And while they're fishing in the morning, they're catching fish and there's a guy on the shore and the, the man re- calls out to them and they realize it's Jesus. And Peter leaps out of the boat and he makes his way to shore and he's with his friend again. But he's feeling dirty because of his sinfulness. He's missed the mark. And I love the story where after the meal Jesus is reclining with Peter on the shore of the lake. He says, Peter, do you love me? And he asks Peter this question three times. And uh, I don't know if it's, uh, I can't back this up with a whole lot of logic, except that uh, three appears in the denial and three appears in the restoration. And, and, and he asks Peter three times, do you love me? And, 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 I, and it's just a beautiful picture of Jesus inviting Peter back into a place of fellowship as a clean, righteous man before God. And, and, I, and I tell you that story, and well, you can go and read it for yourself. It's in John chapter 21. Ask God to show you something in that. But the reason that I share it is because I want every single one of us to understand that we are not brought into a place of renewal by our works. We can't earn salvation. It's only by God's love that Jesus came. It's only because God loved us while we were sinners that he sent Jesus Christ as the sacrifice. So it's because of the love of God and the grace of Jesus Christ, that unmerited favor that Jesus puts on us that makes us clean that separates our sinfulness from our soul. And so I just want you to see that Jesus restored Peter into his calling. And in the same way, when you come like David in this place of confession because you want to repent of missing the mark, Jesus is there to meet you. And he's willing to restore you and renew you. And my hope, friends, is that you find that place of renewal with Jesus. So the first thing I've shared with you is to look beyond the process, but don't deny the process. The second thing I'd like to share with you from the psalm is look beyond the process and desire the promise. And I want you to see what David writes in Psalm 51, verse 10 and 11. He writes this, it's well known. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. This is David understanding that the process would bring him to a place where he could be reconnected as a righteous man of God. He knew that there were good things beyond. And and we read the story of David and Bathsheba and we see the fruit of their marriage being Solomon, who would be the future king, the favored king of Israel. But David 
longed for, his desire was intimacy and fellowship with God. Lord, would you create in me a clean heart, renew a steadfast spirit in me, a loyal spirit, a faithful spirit, one that would persevere to hit the mark by your grace. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Do not despise me and separate yourself. Do not turn your face from me, but renew me and bring me in to the joy of my salvation. You know, like friends, uh, years ago, way, way when I was a little fella uh, in church, I remember singing this song. It was an old song, but it was a popular one. And maybe, just maybe, you might appreciate that song. You know, what I often say is that uh, songs are words that become prayers on our lips. And as you hear this chorus, it's my heart's desire that the words would become a prayer on your lips that reflect your heart attitude, that you would truly open your heart before God and submit yourself to Him, that you would look beyond the process, but you would desire the promise. You would hunger for the promise. You would long for the things of God fellowship with God, that he would turn his face to you, make his face shine upon you, that he would renew you in strength with a steadfast spirit. May you truly utter these words as a prayer before God, that your heart would come to him. We've got to come before God. We've got to, we've got to look beyond the process. And by that, I mean we must not deny the process. Uh, we must also uh, desire the promise. But the best part, friends, and this is what David shows us in the psalm, the best part is that we would see the promise. Yes, we must confess before God. Yes, we must submit ourselves to his, his cleansing work. But the consecration is to be set apart by God, for God, that he would be magnified in our lives. And this is the upside. This is why we must say yes to the hard times, yes to God's judgment, yes to his discipleship, even yes to his discipline, in order that we would be one of those ones who God says, come into the good that I have prepared for you. And this is what we see with David. This is what we read about in Psalm 51. Let's look at verse 12. He says this, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Come on, friends. Christians should be the happiest people on the planet. We should be the ones jumping up and down. We We shouldn't be sour. We shouldn't be sad. We shouldn't be bitter. We shouldn't be fearful. We shouldn't be anxious. We shouldn't be critical. 
the joy of our salvation. Come on, restore to me. You might make that your prayer today. Restore to me the joy, God, of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. See, friends, this is what I believe God is saying to us. There is so much in his goodness of his nature and his spirit that he gives us. If you have said yes to Jesus Christ as your savior, then you have his spirit in you. It's a generous spirit. It's an extravagant spirit. It's a, it's a spirit that fills us with the life of God. Come on, restore to me the joy of your salvation and your generous spirit would give me life. And all that's in verse 12. What is it? Show us in verse 13. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will be converted to you. So there is always a requirement for us to have a testimony that points people to Jesus. Now, you might be one that says, well, you know, I didn't kill someone when I was a teenager or I didn't run off the rails or I didn't abandon my family. Uh, I've got no testimony. Come on. Jesus is your testimony. The testimony of Jesus is what points people to him. And David is saying to us that we have the responsibility to tell the story. This is why when we are together, one of the things we love to do is to share testimony and say, what has Jesus done this week for you? How can you give testimony to Jesus that points others to him? Come on, we've got to take our guide from David. We've got to say, come on, my lips shall share your goodness and my, I will speak my testimony for your glory. And that's in verse 13. What does he say in verse 14? Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God. You're the God of my salvation. And my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. This is what we need to understand. The deliverance of God. The deliverance of God brings the freedom and the liberty that frees us from the grip of that sin. Friends, I need to say to you, if you're in a cycle, if you're in a space in your life where you just can't break out of sadness or you just can't break out of bad habits or you just can't break out of a depression or you just can't break out of um, bad language, God says he has deliverance for you. And his deliverance means freedom from the grip of sin. You see, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty and freedom for captives. No longer do you have to be bound and locked to your sin. But God says, I have deliverance for you. So today, right here, right now, you can step into that. And you might just simply pray this prayer. God, I choose to receive the fullness of salvation and I choose to walk in the deliverance of my God and be free from the chains of sin. I confess faith in Jesus, who is my salvation. He has done everything necessary at the cross of Calvary to break the power of sin in my life. And I break it now in the name of Jesus Christ and I walk in freedom. Come on, you can pray that prayer and you can walk in the freedom like David did. Can you say amen to that? That's verse 14. What does he say in verse 15? O Lord, open my lips and my mouth shall show forth your praise. That there's an, there's an utterance. Uh, one of the other translations says, unlock my heart and unlock my lips. The idea is that we would just have a fountain of life that comes out of us because of all that God is. Come on, can't you feel the goodness of God coming through the word of God? Are you being stirred in the spirit and spurred on in faith to live the life, the Zoe life, the abundant life, the extravagant life that is ours? 
Come on, make that your prayer. God, open my heart and open my lips that I would shout forth your praise for he has done great things. Friends, all of that in verse 15. What does David write in verse 16? Let us turn to the scriptures. For you do not desire sacrifice or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offerings. This is a a phrase that that David's used a couple of times. It's a concept that he says because he knows that there's a pattern of ritual for sacrifice. And in the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant, you know, we know that they had to cut the animal. The blood of the animal was an atonement for the sin of the people, that it covered up their sin. But David knew more than that. David was a prophet and he knew that the ritual and the covering of the blood was only temporary for the law would reveal sin, but grace of God would obliterate sin. So what David is saying is don't have patterns in your life that cover your sin. Step into freedom and embrace what God's got for you. Yeah, God looks at our heart. David knows this. He he doesn't want to see the actions. He wants to see the repentant heart. And, and you know, we see this in David, and I pray you're seeing it today, that God's, um, God's response to David's heart is forgiveness. And may you too know that when you open your heart before God, that he is willing to forgive you. David shows us that we don't have to be perfect to be accepted by God. In fact, God takes those things that are imperfect and he renews them. All that in verse 16. And finally, what does it say in verse 17? The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. This is really the key I think we find is is that David says, "My, my heart is shattered. My spirit is poor, it is broken, it is contrite. I'm, I'm in a place of humility where without you I can be not made new. It was, it was a complete dependence on God. It was a complete submission to God. And, and years ago uh, when I was um, studying theology, I found the connection between this verse here and one of the Beatitudes. Jesus says this, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God heaven. This is a wonderful teaching of Jesus that said you will be favored. You will be set apart. That's familiar, isn't it? Consecration, set apart by God, for God. You will be blessed as the the one who is poor in spirit that has their heart shattered, for they shall see the kingdom of God. Friends, David is showing us And pointing us to the teaching of Jesus, that if we come before God in humility and we say, God, I need to confess before you, I need to be cleansed by you, and I want to be consecrated for your purposes, that we will see the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is ours to see. What does the kingdom of God mean? It means the dominion of the king, his rule and reign in our lives. And friends, that's what we're looking for. If we have a look in Matthew Chapter 5 and verse 8, we see another beatitude. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And we can see this reflected in the prayer in the Psalm of David. In Psalm 51 and verse 10, he says, Create in me a pure heart, God. He knows that only God can create that pure heart. But blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. To see God is to, to know him. And to know him personally. So we, we want to be ones who have a contrite heart, a broken spirit before God, 
that God does his work to renew us. They would have a heart where we say, God, make us pure before you, that we would see you and know you. Friends, this is why we must look beyond the process. Because if we stop ourselves too soon, if we come and say, I'm not willing to have the pain, I'm not willing to have the discomfort, or I don't want the inconvenience of embracing holiness. I don't know that I want to go that far. We've got to look beyond the short-term pain to embrace the promise that God has for us, the fullness of relationship with him, walking as a friend of God in the garden, walking in the fullness of salvation and walking in the king's domain. You'll see the king's domain, the dominion of the king in your world. Friends, that's why we must look at the promise. Friends, as I close this message and in fact close the series, I'd like to invite you to embrace the holiness of Jesus. Jesus himself would invite you to come to embrace his holiness, that you would come to him as the way to all the life is that God has for you. Jesus is the way to the Father. Jesus is the way of salvation. Jesus is the answer to our holiness. To embrace holiness, we must acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God. To embrace holiness, not by our works, but by the grace of Jesus, we must acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God who came to earth, lived and died for our sake, and that God raised him from the dead. If we would confess, if we would just say, Jesus is the Son of God who raised us from the dead, then we shall be saved. We shall be embraced into the family of God and invited into the holiness of Jesus. Friends, I would like to invite you to consider that. Maybe you found this message, you're not sure how, you made it this far, and you've never, ever, ever invited Jesus to be your Lord and your Savior. Today is the day. In the scriptures we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, if anyone invites Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You know, we talked about sin today. We talked about a broken heart. We talked about a broken life. We talked about grievous actions before man and God. And you might be thinking, it's too big. Nothing is going to get me over my sin. Well, there is no condemnation in Christ. There is nothing that could separate us from God's love. Friends, all you need to do is confess that Jesus is the Son of God and that God raised him from the dead, and you shall be saved. I'd like to invite you just to confess that now where you are. I'd like you to consider inviting Jesus to lead you on a pathway towards his holiness. Perhaps you have been in the church a long time. Perhaps you are what we would call a Christian. Perhaps you're someone who's been mature in the church for a very long time. But I sense that God is calling every single one of us from the new Christian to the experienced Christian to embrace holiness. I sense God is saying to all of us, pastors, leaders, parents, grandparents, children, all of us, I sense God is saying, come and embrace my holiness. Allow me 
to come in judgment, says God, that I might call you into new things, that you would be confessing these things, your weakness and your need for me, that you would be allowing me to cleanse you and renew you, and that in the consecration process, you will be prepared for the good things God has in store for you. My prayer for you is that you would embrace the holiness of Jesus. Let's close in prayer. Almighty God, we commit ourselves to you again today. Uh, For every single one that has listened to this message, that has opened the word of God, I pray the fruit of the Holy Spirit would bring life to the words, that they would be transformed by the work of the Holy Spirit, and that would see Jesus afresh and anew. Lord, I thank you that you have more for us, that we can embrace your holiness, that we can be consecrated by you and set apart for you, that our lives would magnify you, that we would transmit Jesus to our community and that we would be the miracle and the testimony, the signpost that points others to you. We commit ourselves to you. We invite you to work in our hearts and we give thanks for all the good things you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. May God richly bless you as you go. Uh, If there's anything we can do here at Zion, uh, if we can help you in any way, uh, just get online and send us a message. We'd love to connect. God bless you and have a fantastic day.